Hey, what do you do when you're too excited for the MLB playoffs to start and it's 5 o'clock on a Thursday morning? You record your podcast, that's right. Episode 25 of Katie's Corner is here, presented by Godzilla Media, sponsored by our friends over at Johnstone Supply and our friends I'm going to tell you about right now from Mohawk Honda. Fall is in the air. Everything is, you can feel the changes, the temperatures. The cuisine you're walking around, seeing pumpkin spice this and pumpkin spice that. The leaves are changing. But what never changes is the quality customer service you're going to get at Mohawk Honda. Whether you're buying or selling, the experience is one and the same. High quality, 100% of the time. We're always going to be greeted with a smile and treated with respect as our new vehicle inventory is ramping up. 2023s are coming on the lot pilots, passports, ridge lines, and more but also remember, it's the best time more than ever before this year to sell your vehicle. We've been talking about it ever since January with the Kelly Blue Book Instant Cash offer as well. You could still be able to sell your vehicle for more than you paid for it. That's right. I mean, it's the best time to do it this year at Mohawk Honda. They buy cars and in some cases, like I mentioned, be able to sell it to you for more than you paid for it, which is another advantage to get from the number one volume dealer in the Capro region. Go in, talk to general manager Greg Johnson and his team of sales consultants, whether it be Trav Landry, Cam McKenna, whoever else you get entrusted with. I will tell you right now, they will treat you A+, first class, all the way. And they're always available to help you in the buying or selling process. And hey, while you're there, go give our boy Scott Moynihan some love. Back at Mohawk Honda, he's got 30-plus years of automotive experience with him, so stop in, say hi to him before you finish selling or buying a car. Give Scott some love, dap him up, give him some love. Yes, the seasons may change, but at Mohawk Honda, like I mentioned, at Freeman's Bridge Road of Scotia, the high-quality customer service that you get will never change because Mohawk Honda always goes out of their way to please you. So, before we address the obvious which is the 2022 playoffs starting Friday, October the 7th, as we are recording this, like I mentioned, 5 a.m. Thursday, October 6th, because I'm pumped and I can't sleep because I uh, I am so freaked out and ready to go for this weekend of sports coming up, especially Major League Baseball playoffs. But we got to begin with the one regional team that is not in the playoffs, now, I know I haven't mentioned a whole lot the last few weeks because we wanted to see how the season finished up. Uh, Boston ends up finishing 78 and 84, last place in the division. Um, not the worst record in the, in the American League, though, tied for the fifth worst record. Uh, the four teams that were behind them were in, in this order Texas, Detroit, Kansas City, and then Oakland with the worst record in the American League. With 60 wins and 102 losses, Minnesota finished with the same exact record as Boston at 78 and 84. And oh, by the way, I forgot the LA Angels. So they were tied for the sixth worst record in the American League. The Angels were 73 and 89. My apologies. Don't want to leave out the Angels. But you take a look at this Red Sox squad. And I know I gave Alex Cora a lot of crap towards the back half of the season and saying that he gave up on his squad, which I still honestly believe, I still honestly believe he did throw in the towel at a certain point and just decided, you know what, let's just play things out and see what happens. 
and not stress too much over getting ourselves into the playoffs as a five or a six seed. Let's just focus on giving our young talent in our system some 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 quality PT, allow them time to develop. So here's the summation of the 2022 season. Anyway, you can get hurt. I can get hurt better. <laughs> this is kind of how it was. Uh, you know, Chris Sale barely played this year. Trevor Story had his ups and downs, more downs than ups, honestly. Just a, a, a bullpen ravaged by injuries. I mean, that, that, that really sums up the entire Red Sox 2022 season. Injuries and bad luck, um, which you'll get once in a while. Um you know, and everybody wants to hammer on the fact that Boston's finished last in the division five out of the last 10 years. I'm not going to hammer on that because this, this was the kind of year you don't walk out of spring training expecting. You don't walk out of spring training going, you know what? Half our roster is going to get hurt and Chris Sale isn't even going to pitch four games for us. You, you, you don't do that. You go in with the best expectations possible, knowing what your team can do, and just – Admit, going into the year, even with Chris Sale not starting the year with the team on the injured list, you still would have thought this team would have been in the mix. And it briefly was uh, right around the 4th of July holiday, and then basically after the All-Star break, all help fell through. So now, what are the questions that need to be addressed with this team for 2023? Um, Obviously... I was going to be talk about. I'm going to be talking about Alex Cora, and I, I have no problem with Alex Cora after after giving it much deliberation and much thought. I I'm 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 not going to freak on Alex Cora after this kind of season. Um, yes, I remember what I said. Yes, I, yes, I said he threw the towel. But any good manager, I think, at the given point in time where I said Alex Cora has thrown the towel. They pretty much would have done the same thing. And hindsight being 2020, I can say that now. So Alex core number one is fine. He's not going anywhere. But here are the real issues you need to address. Number one, you have an aging 33-year-old quote-unquote ace in Chris Sale who hasn't been able to stay healthy for a few seasons now. So you need to figure out if you're really going to invest in him as being your true ace quote-unquote, and loose air quotes, Chris Sale being your true ace for the next two years that you have him signed on, plus an option, a vesting option for 2025, which would put him at 36 if if that option got picked up. Or do you go out and make a splash and figure out a way to get a big-name pitcher on board, whether it be... You know, a Jacob DeGrom would be a perfect example because a lot of people are starting to think more and more DeGrom is not going to come back to be a Met. I'm not completely convinced of that, but DeGrom can have to opt out. He's out there. Aaron Nola has a club option. He's probably not going to go anywhere. Carlos Rodon, uh, Rodon, excuse me, from the Giants, he can opt out. Um, Nathan Evaldi, who was just on your staff this year, he's a free agent. Chris Bassett has a mutual option, but he's 34. Do you really want to take that risk? Do you want to take the risk on signing Clayton Kershaw to a one or two year deal? Um, Sean Manai is out there as a free agent. 
Martin Perez, who had a, a decent year. He's out there uh, from the Rangers. <sighs> what else we have here? Kind of slim pickings, not going to lie, after that. Uh, Noah Syndergaard, he's still only 30. I think he could be he could be productive for the Red Sox. Um, Andrew Heaney at 31, I, I think that ship's kind of sailed on him, but I could be wrong. Uh, Mike Clevenger, not a bad season out of him with the Padres this year. Um, could be somebody you want to look at. Not totally sure if you do, but could be somebody you look at. But all in all, you need to sign someone because you look at this thing right here. Like I just mentioned, like I just mentioned, you have a situation where, oh man, you have have a situation where um, you're, you're, how else to put this? You, You need to figure something out. That's the best way for me to put it. You need to figure something out because, like I mentioned, Evaldi, free agent. Um, you trust Nick Pavetta long term. How about Michael Waka? Uh, Rich Hill, I believe, just that was, I think he's also a free agent too. So, two of your legit rotation is gone. Rich Hill's probably going to retire. He's 42. Nathan Evaldi, I mean, you can bring him back. But how much do you trust Pavetta going forward? Michael Walker had a great year, so you can't be disappointed in that. Um, Garrett Whitlock, what are you going to do with him? Is he a starter or is he a reliever? It's kind of one of those, uh, to, to kind of clean up the phrase, Pierre, get off the pot with Garrett Whitlock. Make your decision on him. So that's, that's one of the things you need to flesh out there. But looking further into the contract situation with these team, uh, this team, uh, Hosmer, you got him in free agency, uh, not free agency, you got him at the trade deadline. He's locked up for three more years. Trevor's story, obviously, you just you see to hope and pray that he stays healthy. Um, it was his first year with the club. You know, I know I'm not a Red Sox fan, so maybe I'm coming from a very, very rose-colored glasses point of view, but I'm not going to freak out yet. It's his first year with the club. It's not every guy is going to knock it out of the ballpark first season with the new team. So I'm not going to freak out on that. Obviously, the elephant in the room, Xander Bogarts, he can opt out at any point if he wants to. Um, but technically, he still has three years left on his contract, 20 mil a year. Does Scott Boris get in his head and say, hey, that's not nearly enough. Just opt out, get a new contract so you can get paid till you're 37, 38. I don't know. I depends how much Xander Bogarts allows Scott Boris to get in his head. Uh, JD Martinez, obviously a free agent, talks about him retiring. I'm not so sure about that, especially uh, with DH being a full time thing in both leagues. Maybe he can find a soft spot to land on, and that'll pay him like 15 mil uh, for 2023. I just mentioned Evaldi, a free agent. Garrett Whitlock is still locked in. You still have him in a rookie contract. Uh, Barnes is still locked in for one more year. Uh, Kike Hernandez is a free agent. Yikes. Uh, you have arbitration with Devers. So the question becomes, do you just try to appease him by giving him, say, 18, 20 mil for arbitration and, and just hope and pray you can re-sign him in free agency the, the following winter? 
Or do you just give them the big deal now and say, screw arbitration? Something we're thinking about. Tommy Pham, um, a mutual option for $6 million for 2023. Um, he's 34, but he's a quality bat. So do you just go with the one year and pick up the mutual option? Or does Tommy want to get paid more? Um, I don't see anybody willing to pay him more, but it gets an option, I guess. Uh, Paxton is a team and player option. Rich, like I mentioned, free agent, probably retiring. Verdugo's arbitration. I don't even want to know what he's going to ask for. Pavetta's an arbitration. If he thinks he's getting more than two, two and a half million, he's out of his mind. So you have a bunch of guys on arbitration, but obviously the main characters you need to look at. Evaldi's a free agent. Uh, JD's a free agent. Xander, who knows what he's going to do with, with the potential opt-out he has. Kike Hernandez is a free agent. What do you do with Devers? Do you go to arbitration or do you just give him the big deal now? Um, and then Michael Waka, who, if I'm the Red Sox, I have to bring him back. I mean, how do you let how do you let Michael Waka walk after an 11 and two year with a, a sub four ERA when he was honestly, I mean, Eovaldi was really good at points, but he was just on and off the injury list too much for me to even consider him the ace of this year's staff. I'd have to give it to Waka. Um, Pavetta, no, <laughs> just just no. Uh, Rich Hill, I mean, he had some good outings, but nothing consistent. Michael Waka was the one consistent guy you could look at every five days and go, you know what? I think he's going to have a good day. Um, so you, ha- you got to pay the man. You got to pay the man. I don't, nothing exorbitant. Like, make it like a, a three-year deal, maybe. He's already 30, so... Yeah, like a, like a three-year deal sounds about right, but you, you got you to give the man his, his flowers at this point. Before we get into going over the last week of Mets and Yankees action. Let me remind you about our friends over at Johnstone Supply and Troy. It's getting chilly out, folks. Getting chilly out. We're getting frost advisories overnight for certain areas of the Capital District. It's gotten to that point of the year, yes. We're, we're, and we're getting towards the witching season of Halloween in a few weeks. Uh, it's foot getting. It's feeling more and more like football weather out there during Friday night lights, which means we're getting close to the winter. You need to consider the heating system in your apartment or household. And that means you need to talk to our friends where Johnstone Supply in Troy. Ask them about the heating systems that they can take care of for your household. All the great brands at great prices like Goodman, Fujitsu, and Westinghouse to replace parts you might need for your furnace. Or, hey, if you need a new heating system overall or you've been thinking about it, talk to the friends at Johnstone Supply because they can take care of installing a brand new heating system for you without any hassles or problems. You've heard about George, great guy on previous episodes of Getting There with Gaz. He's the man with the hookup along with Kev, James, or Bird. Talk to any of them, and they'll be able to make sure you stay warm throughout the fall and winter months. Give them a call, 518-272-5922, or visit them, 2600 6th Avenue in Troy. Make sure your heating system is fully operational so you're not left out in the cold over the next six months. Johnstone Supply, 518-272-5922. Visit them at 2600 6th Avenue in Troy or check them out online, johnstonesupply.com. The Mets. I know the Mets fans were freaking out about collapsing to the Braves. 
here's what you need to understand. You need to be honest with yourself. For as good as this Mets team was built, hypothetically, and for as good as the prospects have been that you've brought up so far, like a Batty, an Alvarez, and so on, you need to face the cold hard truth that the Atlanta Braves are one of the best-run organizations in all Major League Baseball. They have caught up to the Dodgers in that regard. And I'm not just talking about from a Major League perspective. I'm talking from the bottom up. I'm talking the executive office. I'm talking about the Major League team. I'm talking about their minor league system. The Atlanta Braves, and saving a lot more money than the Dodgers, have caught up to them as the best franchise top to bottom. And I mean that both as exec in the front office and on the field. Um, there is no shame in losing the division to Atlanta. You won 101 games. You had the National League batting champion in Jeff McNeil. Pete Alonso set a new franchise record for RBIs. Francisco Lindor gave you the kind of season you have expected out of him when you signed him as a free uh, when you signed him to a new deal. What else do you want? You have Scherzer and DeGrom both healthy going into the postseason, even though you might have some questions about DeGrom given the way he's performed in certain starts this month. You still have Scherzer and DeGrom, baby. All right? You may not have Tyler McGill as the three like you would have preferred the way he looked in April and May, but you still have Chris Bassett who's been very good. Taiwan Walker's looked very good, and he's going to be a, a nice option to have out of the bullpen and long relief if you have anybody get in trouble against San Diego or beyond. Uh, you could use him as a Game 4 starter if you get to the ALCS. There's a lot of great talent on this team. Not to mention the guys I just mentioned that got called up like Batty and Alvarez. Now, are you built more for win now than win later? Possibly. Possibly. But think of it this way. Aside from the fact you won 101 games, you're going to the playoffs as the top wild card. Aside from that. Think about your future right now. Think about it. You have the potential to the best infield in baseball in three years. Now, you're probably thinking, but the hell are you talking about? Just hear me out. Hear me out on this for a second. So, Lindor, obviously, shortstop. Okay. Polar Bear, Pete Alonso at first. Uh, Jeff McNeil, where do you want him? Do you want him in the outfield? Do you want him at second base? And then you have Starling Marte right now for the next three years. I'm pretty good with that. <laughs> I'm pretty good with that for the next three years, if you ask me. Um, just put that out there. Uh, that's good by me. So the Mets right now, going into the playoffs, it will break down the wild card round in just a moment. But you need to just embrace your accomplishments. Don't, don't be such negative Nancys, man. Like, I know, like, there's some famous Mets fans that were having meltdowns the last three to four weeks of the season and just saying how the Braves own them and this and that and the other thing. Look, man, the Braves were owning everyone <laughs> the last three months of the season. It, it's it's nothing to, to worry about. You still won 101 games. Like, let me put this into perspective for you, okay? 
L let me try to help you out for a second. All right. The second half of the season, okay, you went 43 and 26. Okay. Any normal team in any normal, any team in a normal division, that would be considered coasting your way to a division title. All right. Just remember that. Your team went 43 and 26 post All-Star break. Do you know what the Atlanta Braves did? Went 45 and 23. It, it, it wasn't... It, it, you all want to act like this was like an accident. You look at the numbers, it's... You guys went that far apart to begin with. Alright? Yeah. There's nothing you can do about that. Like, it's... Like, I, 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 I can't think of any other way to explain it right now. Alright? Uh, okay. Braves won. Fine. Now, granted, do you, would you want to be in the position you're in now where you, you potentially face the Dodgers in the ALDS? I suppose not. But I'd be willing to tell you right now, I think the Dodgers are, I, I know people, this is going to sound crazy to some people, I think the Dodgers are a little bit more vulnerable than people give them credit to be. I'm just being frank when I say that. The Dodgers, I think, are a little more vulnerable than, because even this way, Clayton Kershaw has had one good postseason, maybe two in his career. All right. Let me pull up the Dodgers for you real quick to give you the perspective I'm coming from on this. I know they won 111 regular season games. Let's let's relax, okay? I get that. I understand they have one of the best offensive lineups in the league. I get that. You need to remember that's a Dodgers team that has pooped its pants in the postseason of the past. And they're doing this without Walker Buehler. Now, I know you're probably like, well, Brian, Urias and Gonsolin have been lights out this year. Okay. What playoff pedigree has Julio Urias ever had? What playoff pedigree has Tyler Anderson ever had? Or Tony Gonsolin? Like, this is a team that Yes, did tremendous in the regular season. But when the chips are on the table, okay, who's had that playoff experience on this pitching staff that you can point to and say, that's going to make them dangerous in the postseason? No Walker Bueller, to me, makes them extremely vulnerable in a short series, regardless of how Gonsolin and Urias and Anderson have been pitching this year. Okay. I just, like, I know this sounds crazy, but if you could control the Dodgers' bats and think of the staff that the Mets have where they could do this. Figure it's a best-of-five series. You're looking at, more than likely, you're going to try putting Scherzer and DeGrom out there for one, two, four, and five. Okay. 
which would mean, hypothetically, whoever pitches games four and five would be on short rest. Or maybe if you have a 2-1 lead going into game four, you take a flyer on Taiwan Walker game four and save whoever you had in game one as your game five starter. Okay? Let's just put that out there. I would honestly, and I know this, this sounds crazy if you look just at the stats, but when you think about playoff pedigree, I'm going to take Scherzer, DeGrom, Bassett over Kershaw and fill in the blank. That's just how I feel about it. You think I'm crazy? Sure, go ahead. Think I'm crazy. Now, getting to the New York Yankees. Um, Obviously, everything was about Aaron Judge and getting to 62 home runs, and obviously, congratulations to him. He's new American League single-season home run king. Good on him. But now it's time to focus on getting rest. It's time to figure out your roster. Um, obviously, Trevino, who's going to be your 26, basically, is where I'm at. So let's just run it down. Trevino, Rizzo, Torres, IKF, Donaldson, Hicks, Judge, Stanton. They're not going anywhere. That's eight. DJ is nine. Higashioka, your backup catcher, is 10. One would assume Carpenter is going to be activated from the looks of it. That's 11. Let's, let's just say Marwin Gonzalez is the automatic 12. Which of the young guys do you keep? Actually, no, not even. Harrison Bader would be 13. There's not letting Harrison Bader sit out the, of the ALDS. Which brings you to pitching. Cole Tyone Nestor. One would assume Severino. So that's four. Do you put Herman in the bullpen? Let's just say you do. That's five. Which brings you Holmes, Lukey, Loisaga, Chapman. Um, Arnacho's out until at least the ALCS. Trevino, Efros, and probably Abreu. That gives you 12 pitchers right there. And if you decide to not have Marwin on the roster for the ALDS... I guess you could throw Clark Schmidt in there or Miguel Castro onto the the ALDS roster. Actually, that gives you 20. No, you could keep Marwin. I'm sorry. I counted 25. You could have Schmidt on the roster and leave Marwin on there for 26. That would be 13 and 13. Wow, Mike. Again, I'm recording this at five five thirty in the morning, so bear with me. My math, my math's a little off, but um, but yeah. So, I mean, did the Yankees dominate in the second half like you would have hoped they would? Did they give off a good impression? No, they went five hundred. They went thirty five and thirty five to close out the final seventy games of the season after the All Star break. All right, obviously that's no way you want to go into the playoffs, but here's the but. They are going into the playoffs. So they split the four in Texas. But all in all, we give you from the 18th, excuse me, to the end of the year. I'm not sure if it's going to let me for some reason. I'm trying to get... 
Of course not. It's not giving me what I want to. But anyways, I got I gotta hand count this. Hang on. Hang on. Three, four, five, six, seven, one, eight, one, nine, and one, nine, and two. Ten and two. Went twelve and five your last seventeen games. All right. You, you, you put the right foot forward the last couple weeks. Now, yeah, you only, you only split the four in Texas to end the season. So if you take that out of the if you take that out of the equation, you went ten and three. You went ten and three before you went to Texas and waste away the last four games of the year. Who's gonna complain with that? I'll take that. Um now obviously there's not a whole lot we can talk about with the Yankees at this point because they have rest. Um and they won't start their postseason till Tuesday. Uh, but knowing I'm facing the uh, if if I'm the Yankees fan, sorry, I am a Yankees fan. But um, if I'm the rest of Yankees Nation, Yankees Universe, whatever the hell they're called these days, there's a part of me that hopes and prays the Tampa Bay upsets Cleveland. I think Tampa would be the much easier option to get through a best of five against. Now, you're probably sitting there thinking, Brian, that's crazy. Brian, that's crazy. It's not that crazy. Have you looked at this Cleveland pitching staff? Now, yes, I know the offensive line doesn't jump out and scream at you. But the, the, the trio of Bieber, McKenzie, and Quantrill has been nasty this year. And don't let McKenzie's 11-11 record throw you off. The kid's been throwing under three. He's has he has an under three ERA. He almost struck out two hundred batters to only forty four walks. That's a five to one ratio. Shane Bieber, nasty. Thirteen and eight, two eighty eight ERA. Um, almost a five to one strikeout to walk ratio. Kyle Quantrill has been uh, if you are a gambling man, following the indie following excuse me, following the Guardians on days where Cal Quantrill was starting, was automatic money during the season. I want to say the Indians won outright in, I want to say like 14 of his last 15 starts this season, 15 out of 16, something crazy like that. Betting the Guardians on a Cal Quantrill start was automatic money for most of the season. It was crazy. And then you figure out Class A was crazy good out of the pen. 42 saves, 136 ERA. This is not a pitching staff to be messed with. Karen Shank out of the bullpen has been lovely. 208 ERA and 38 appearances. Um, Trevor Stevens has been great. Sam Hentges has been great. Nick Salen has been tremendous. Almost a sub-2 ERA and 46 appearances. This is a pitching staff and bullpen that is scary and should not be trifled with. So if I'm the Yankees, I'm kind of hoping Tampa Bay somehow figures out a way to sneak out of Cleveland this weekend with an upset. That being said, getting into my wild card predictions, which we have right here, I'm going to take Cleveland to win that series. I'm hoping for Tampa Bay, but my brain says Cleveland. I'm sorry. 
And the other American League series, if I am the Toronto Blue Jays, this is the last team I wanted to face in the wild card round. The Seattle Mariners, while much like the while much like the Guardians, don't have an offensive lineup that's going to make you quiver in your boots. They have the pitching to more than make up for it. They have a staff and a bullpen that's just gotten the job done time in and time out for this squad. All right. For starters, they went out and got Luis Castillo at the deadline, which just put them head over heels over everyone in that division. Castillo finished since the trade deadline deal. He went four and two with a three one seven ERA and struck out 77 batters and only walked 17. Robbie Ray, very good year. Not great, but very good. Logan Gilbert, tremendous year. Chris Flexen, quality. George Kirby, very good year. Seawald. I mean, they, they kind of rotated through a few guys as their, their, their closers. But Seawald, Murphy, Munoz, Swanson, Diego Castillo, even at times... Very good bullpen. Very, very good bullpen. Um, Matthew Festa, eh, but still, like, legit five deep in the bullpen. And then figuring they're probably going to throw Marco Gonzalez in the bullpen. Um, and then whoever they don't start out of Ray, Gilbert, Flex, and Kirby Castillo, I'm going to assume they probably opt out... My guess is Castillo would be game one, Robbie Ray game two. Maybe Kirby? Uh, no, I think Logan Gilbert, actually. Logan Gilbert, probably game three. And then Ger- Kirby, if they get into a best of five, could be their game four starter. Flexen's probably the odd man out with Gonzalez. So, like, if I'm – so let me put it this way. Toronto – here's what Toronto needs to do. Okay. If they have any hopes of winning against the Mariners, number one, Bo Bichette needs to continue leading that squad the way he has been. That's first and foremost, okay? The second thing is, though, they need actual consistency out of Jose Barrios, okay? Because consistency has not been the name of the game for Barrios this year. Yeah, he finished 12-7, and but he had an over-5 ERA. Okay, he gave up 30 home runs. He only struck out 149 batters. He was not a model consistency this year. Yes, I know they have Manoa. Yes, I know they have Gossman who's pitched well. Stripling's pitched well. But you know Barrios is going to be the guy they have to go to for one of those three games against Seattle. And if I'm Toronto, you better pray to God you get good Barrios and not bad Barrios. Because if you get bad Barrios in game one or two, you're putting that much more pressure on stripling or Gossman for game three. Because you know Manoa's probably pitching game one. And if he's not, then he's definitely pitching game two. So Blue Jays fans need to be very, very careful about this series with Seattle. Um, and I'm even going to go on a limb. I know the series is, I know the three game series is being played in in Toronto. I'm going to be sneaky here though and take the Mariners. I think they have enough good momentum on their side, and they have the proper build for a team that can at least get through a three game set. 
Now, when it comes to a five-game set against the Astros, that can be a different story because the Astros have the firepower in their pitching, uh, start in their rotation and their bullpen to match what Seattle has. But right now, in this series, best of three against Toronto, I'm going to give the Mariners the credit, the benefit of the doubt, and say the Mariners. On the National League side, in the wild card round, uh, the three-six matchup: Cardinals, Phillies. Let's be real. The Phillies have been once about a model of inconsistency hitting-wise. That's the Phillies. Um, I just, I think Jordan Montgomery has been too good for the Cardinals to go with Adam Wainwright and Miles Mikolas. And I'm sure there's a fourth starter that I'm not thinking of off the top of my head. I'm going to find out in about 15 seconds once my computer catches up with me. Um, Quintana, okay? I mean, he only started 12 games. We'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Um, all right, Stephen Matz is another guy that was starting this year. Um, but really, the, the main the main three is Nicholas Wainwright, Montgomery. Montgomery's just been so good since going over there in the trade deadline deal with the Yankees uh, that brought Harrison Bader to the Yankees. Montgomery six and three, three eleven ERA. Uh, his strikeout to walk ratio is four to one. I mean, he's just been so good, so so good. Um, Nicholas, uh, he's been he's been good since coming back from injury. Wainwright has been Wainwright. I mean, he's been doing Wainwright things. What else do you want me to say? Um, Helsley, excellent out of the bullpen this year. Jordan Hicks, not so much. Giovanni Gallegos, though, very good. Um, I think putting Steve Matz in the bullpen will be a good fit for him. Jake Woodford's been very good. Um, and don't forget Jack Flaherty. Might be able to flip. If you come to a game four in the in the NLDS against the Braves, Jack Flaherty might be a good, good a game four starter to flip out there. Um. But, I mean, I think that just the Cardinals pitching firepower is just too much. And worst case scenario, if the Cardinals end up at one or two behind going into the bottom of the eighth, bottom of the ninth, I don't trust that Phillies bullpen worth uh, worth the paper I could write their names down on. Like, just no. I'll take the Cardinals. Um, and finally, we get to the NLD, the a wild card series for the Padres and Mets. Look. Padres have been the definition of underachievers. Like, if there's a textbook definition for a playoff team that underachieved but still made the playoffs, it's the San Diego Padres. And I'm not just saying that because they finished 20-some-odd games behind 111 wins from the Dodgers. Nobody was touching that. It's just a simple fact that this was a team that was supposed to win 100 games and only finished up winning, what, 88 games, I think it was? And that's despite going and getting Juan Soto and Josh Bell. So you do with that what you want. I think the key here, again, which version of DeGrom shows up this weekend? If you get Cy Young Jacob DeGrom, they might sweep the Padres in two because Max Scherzer is a bulldog. And if you think Max Scherzer is going to walk into game one's Friday night in City Field and just lay an egg against the Padres, you're out of your damn mind. It's not going to happen. Um, at least I think it's Friday night. I'm pretty sure it's. I'm pretty sure they're the 8 o'clock game, if I remember correctly. Yes, they are. 8 o'clock. Um, just, 
I don't care if it's you, Darvish, against Max Scherzer. If I'm Scherzer, I'm not letting you, Darvish, beat me. So it all comes down to game two. Which Jacob deGrom do we get? If we get Cy Young Jacob deGrom, they're not going to even play a game three. It's going to be a 2-0 sweep. If we get inconsistent Jacob deGrom, like has happened in the month of September, then you're kind of, you're hoping the bats are alive that game. And if they're not, you're you're saying all your prayers on Sunday going into game three at City Field. But I'm going to take the Mets. Banking on a Jacob deGrom showing up that looks like the real Jacob deGrom we've gotten to know and love for the Mets. So to recap, my picks for wild cards, the wild card series and the American League, I'm taking the Guardians and the Mariners. National League, I'm going to stick to form with the Cardinals and the Mets. As far as the divisional series, assuming my picks are 4-0, man, I'll go Yankees in five. And I'll go Yankees in five and Astros in four in the American League. In the National League, oh, I'm sorry, Mets fans, but I, I just, I just, I'm not, oh man, that's tough. Now, I know what you're probably thinking. You're probably thinking, why are you struggling with the Dodgers against the Mets? I'm telling you guys, if DeGrom is DeGrom, it's hard that's hard for the Dodgers to match up with. I don't care what Urias and Gonsolin and Anderson have done this year. They don't have any playoff pedigree. And Kershaw's playoff pedigree is questionable at best, aside from one or two good postseasons. I, I'll say Dodgers in five, but I don't like it. And then Braves and Cardinals, I think the Braves are just running way too hot right now. I don't, it's not going to be a sweep, but I'll say Braves in four. So that's that's where I'm at, and then we'll go from there as far as playoff predictions. Obviously, we'll we'll revisit all this next week, um, as we'll be one or two games into each divisional series, and that'll give us a fresh look at everything from there. Oof, a little longer than I expected for this episode, but hey, we are where we are. Uh, yeah. So thank you again for checking out. 80s Corner, presented by Godzilla Media, sponsored by our friends are Mohawk Honda and Freeman's Bridge Road in Scotia, and Johnstone Supply on 2600 6th Avenue in Troy. If you have any uh, questions, comments, concerns, always tweet me at Brian Cady, B-R-I-A-N-C-A-D-Y, all as one word, or send me an email if it's long form, brian.cady at godzillamedia.com. Think of the monster Godzilla without the D in the middle, godzillamedia.com. There you go. Um, yeah, so Enjoy a tremendous weekend of sports between, obviously, college football and NFL football. But, oh, this people, – I know people complain about them expanding the, the postseason to 12 games. But the way they formatted it by giving the wild cards three-game series instead of one-and-dones, I – Oh my God! This this weekend where you're not gonna want to remove yourself from the television. Friday, Friday afternoon up through Sunday evening when you combine all the major sports in the United States. It's gonna be an amazing weekend. Stick with it. Hopefully you don't get in trouble with your significant others trying to watch all this baseball. We'll catch you next week during the American League and National League Divisional Series. Yes, oh, playoff time is here. 
and smell the, the playoff weather. Enjoy the baseball, folks. <laughs>